Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring in offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. Uh, my name is Brandon. I'm our online campus pastor, and Joel is up here with me this weekend because we are going to be team teaching, which is going to be fun. And uh, we're going to get into that in just one second. But before we do, I just want to give you guys an invitation. Um, in the altar room, the room over there, we, um, we have Bibles. And so if you, for, for those of you who don't have a Bible, so if you don't have a Bible um, and you need a copy of God's Word and you uh, would like, it, like one, we'd love to provide those for you. After the gathering, you can hop in there, and, and uh, that's, that's one of the things that we, we value around here is getting in God's Word. And if you, don't want, if you don't have one, we just want to make sure you have one. So that's the invitation to you. Again, if you're, you're new here to Big Valley Grace, welcome. Uh, you're our guest, and hope you just have had a great time so far singing and worshiping. So cool to see the choir and the orchestra, people using their gifts for the Lord, all that's Really, really cool. So um, as we get into this, what we're going to do today, how we're going to kind of team teach, um, we're going to walk through these right here. And these are just stage props. These are gifts. And this is going to be how we divide the message. And as, as we were getting these ready, as Pastor Joel and I were talking about the message and how we were going to approach this, um, I, I ordered these to put these together. And I did it to match this because I like matching all the colors and the gold and the, the, the blue. And I couldn't find gold bows anywhere. Looked around. I found silver bows, but I couldn't find gold bows. And so I hopped on Amazon. I ordered some gold bows. And they arrived this week. And my little ring notification goes off on my phone. I head outside. And then the first red flag. It's an envelope and not a box. I'm expecting, you know, a big clear bag, bunch of bows. I ordered extra. I think I'm all like thinking ahead. I ordered extra. I'm like, half of them will get smashed anyways. We're going to be good. And then it's an envelope. And I'm like, uh-oh, this is not good. It gets worse. So I open up the envelope, and inside is this. Okay? Okay. And I'm looking at this thing. And I'm, I'm scouring the bag. It comes in this, like, big plastic bag from who knows where. There's zero instructions whatsoever. There's one line. It says, warning, basically, don't choke on this. Like, okay, all right, that's great. So I open up this thing, and this falls out. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I ordered from the wrong Amazon store, and what am I going to do? And so what I do is I do what our generation does, and I hop on YouTube. And YouTube knows me. YouTube is so great because YouTube not only, well, they weren't listening and hadn't like had it all ready for me. That would have been creepy. But I hop on YouTube and they've got a whole new section of videos called shorts because they know how short our attention span is. And so they know like a five minute video, way too long. So they say, okay, here's a minute. And I search ribbon thing. And it knows me because it pulls this, it pulls a picture of this up and then it's got a ribbon. 
It's like, this is for you. And I'm like, this is perfect. And it says something important. It says something really interesting. It says the key to this is you want to grab this thread. You want to grab this right here. Because if you do that and you follow this all the way, that's what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. You guys were more appreciative than last night. That applause was better. I appreciate it. Um, all you do is you, you pull the thread and the whole thing comes together. And our hope with this is what we're going to do is we're going to follow one thread throughout Scripture. And the whole picture of Christmas, our prayer this morning, is that the whole thing just kind of comes together. And what we're going to do is we're going to unwrap these nine gifts and inside each gift is a thread, but not this type of thread. It's a garment. Oftentimes we associate clothes, Christmas clothes. It's a different garment, but it's a garment, not that we would find it on our tree, but it's a garment as we find in the story of Scripture. And so we're going to walk through Scripture, and we're going to see what garments we find, and we're going to see how as we trace that, it pulls together the story of Christmas, okay? So we're going to head all the way back to the beginning. We're going to start right here, and we start with the very, very first garment we find in Scripture. And the very first garment we find, the very introduction to our Bibles, is we find this. Nothing. <laughs> we find no garment at all. And the reason we find no garment is because at creation, there's no need for a garment. Just imagine that. There's no need for a garment. As God creates at the end of each day, we, we get this description. God looks at what was created and he says it was what? Good. It's good. It creates the heavens and the earth. It's good. It creates animals. It's good. At the end of the sixth day, God creates something different. God creates something special. He creates what's sitting in the chairs right here. He creates humans. And at the end of that day, it says something different. It's the only time he uses this. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. It was exceedingly good. Why was it, why was it very good? Why was it special? Why were, why were humans special? Two reasons it tells us. One, it said you were made to be a reflection. It says you carry something really special whether or not you know it or not. You bear God's image. You're made in his image. Nothing else that's created from a dinosaur to a mountain bears God's image, but you do. You were made to be a reflection of him. And number two, we see in this, this passage in uh, Galatia, uh, Genesis chapter two. This is the next one up here. I'm gonna read it to you guys. Hopefully, comes up. And the Lord God commanded the man. So the God of creation doesn't just create and walk away. The God of creation creates and then he commands and he interacts with his creation because he wants a relationship with his creation. So you are not only created to be a reflection, but you are created to be in relationship with the God who made you. To understand who we are, our purpose in this world has to be understood in that framework. And so God wants this relationship with his creation. And so that's part of what we see here at the very beginning. And then this next line in Genesis, this tells us why we don't need a garment. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. 
And you hear the word naked and oftentimes you just immediately associate shame, uncomfort. It's weird. You hear the word naked, just uncomfortable. There's no need for a garment. That didn't exist. Shame didn't exist. And there was no need for a garment because as God created, it was very good. There was nothing but good and peace as the story begins. Pastor Joel. I was totally not expecting him to do that. That was awesome. Usually when I pull a thread, it all falls apart. Can, can, can anybody else relate to that? Oh man, usually I ruined a garment when I pull the thread. Let's get to gift number two here. Gift number two. And what we have in gift number two is fig leaves. Fig leaves. If you received a gift this year and it had fig leaves in it, would it be a surprise to you? Thread number two is fig leaves. Why? Well, in Genesis chapter three, verse seven, it says, and they knew they were naked. So something changed. All of a sudden now they knew. They knew something. And this is where conflict is introduced into the story. They knew that they were naked. They had peace, but peace is broken as sin enters into humanity. So what do they do? They try to solve the problem, and they sewed fig leaves together. And the fig leaves represent the, the reality-altering failure that happens at the fall when mankind sins. And it's the first inadequate attempt of trying to restore peace. And the fig leaves really represent the very first man-made religion. There's enmity between God and man. There's enmity between the man and the woman. There's brokenness in creation. And so these fig leaves, these fig leaves represent an action, an action. And the action is taken by mankind. And the action is that man breaks peace. I've heard it said before that you can tell, sometimes you can tell more about someone, not just by their actions, but by their reactions. How do they respond to something? And our next garment shows us how does this God who creates peace, and now it has been broken, how does God respond? What does this tell us about God? And the gift we find, number three, is this. We find fur. Here's what it says in scripture, in Genesis chapter three. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins, and he clothed them. And this is significant in our story because it shows us a little picture of who God is, but also what God will do. I'll tell you three things I think this shows us. First, it shows us a God who pursues. There's a story. It starts with perfect peace. And you would think here, maybe the story's over. Maybe God's done. Maybe this whole thing's ruined. But the story's not over. God's not done. And God pursues them. God comes after them. God asks them, where are you? There's this pursuit. There's this God who pursues that we see. Second, we see it's a God who's patient. It's not just a God of justice and punishment, but we get this little picture of God's mercy and his grace. And that's because God is a God who provides there's a sacrifice that's made so a covering can be made. 
It's a God who cares enough about his creation to see the problem that they're experiencing, to see the impact of that problem of shame that they feel. And he loves them so much, he cares for them so much that he provides a covering. And all of those, this God who pursues, this God who is patient, and this God who provides, they all point to this action that God here is foreshadowing peace. So God foreshadows peace, and like any good gift, people can forget. Do you remember all the gifts you received last year? We can forget the good gifts that God has given us, and that kind of brings us to this next gift, because in gift number four, what we find as we open it up is spun webs, spider webs. It's a good thing we had Halloween recently, so we have these decorations we can reuse. Spun webs, spun webs. Thread number four is spun webs. As we saw with the fig leaves, the impact of sin leads us longing for a covering, and God provided that in the garden with a garment of skin. Longing for that sense of nakedness and shame to be dealt with, but as humans, sometimes instead of having a memory, we have a forgettery, and we go back to the same old stuff again. In Isaiah 59, verses 2, 6, and 8, it says, But your iniquities, and iniquities is purposeful sin. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Their webs will not serve as clothing. Men will not cover themselves with what they make. Their works are works of iniquity, and deeds of violence are in their hands. You know, these, these webs, the spun webs, spider webs, they show us how dramatically inadequate our own attempts at peacemaking are. Peace is unreachable through the works of man. And as ridiculous as spider webs seem to be as clothing, that's how ridiculous is the thought that man's works are actually creating peace. In verse eight it says, the way of peace they do not know and there is no justice in their paths. They have made their roads crooked. No one who treads on them knows peace. So what do we need? Again, we need God to step in to accomplish peace as humanity fails to restore it on their own. And so there's an action that the spun webs represent. And the action is an action from mankind. And the action is that man attempts peace. Interesting in our culture, we still use the word spinning a web to talk about lying, don't we? Sometimes we get it wrapped up, and we're spinning a web, and we're trying to cover ourselves, and we, we end up living in this world where it's like, man, it's this false world of, of false truth that I'm putting my faith in. And where does that leave us? That brings us here. Gift number five. Garment number five we find in the story of Scripture. And this is right here. It's a filthy rag. It's a dirty rag. 
In Isaiah 64, it says this. We've all become like one who's unclean. And all our righteous deeds are there's just like a polluted garment. We all fade away like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. I don't know if you're like me, but when I was growing up, we had this thing in the garage. It was one drawer. There's one thing in the, the, this drawer, and it's a bunch of these. It's called the rag drawer. Anybody got a rag drawer in the garage? Got a rag drawer. What was yours called? Growing up? Garage towels. And we all know what the rag drawer and garage towels or whatever the bin is, we all know what goes in there. This is all the, the, the socks with the holes in them. This is all the shirts they got stained. This is all the towels in the house that are, you know, fraying. And I remember one thing that I learned growing up. You don't take the rag towels and go put them inside in the wash machine. You don't fold these back up and put them in the linen closet. These are for the rag drawer. Oh, okay, Mom. These are for the rag drawer. They've been separated. They've been cut off from the rags that are, un, that are clean. And even in that term of unclean, Joel talked about this last word. It's a word of separation. And you think about unclean even historically in society. Those that were unclean were literally cut off. They were pushed out of culture, out of society. They were separated. And they could not even return physically until they were made clean to return. And so this picture we get, this garment, is just this picture of separation, and it's this picture of helplessness. That rag is not coming back in the house. That rag has no future. That rag, what we see in the passage, is like a leaf on a branch in wind like yesterday. I don't know if you, have you got any leaves left on your trees? I do not. That was intense. But it's just like that, just waiting to be blown away. This is just a rag. Worthless, helpless, just waiting to be blown away in the story. Unless something else happens. So we continue on here, and we're, we're awaiting we're waiting for something wonderful, which brings us to this, this next gift. And this is gift number six. And in gift number six, we find a shepherd's tunic. A shepherd's tunic. You know, to these people who are, are literally hopeless right now, filthy rags, they're hopeless. Now we hear of God's glorious promise. It comes interesting. In, in Psalm twenty-two, eighteen, it says, they divide my garments among them. And what this verse is talking about is foreshadowing to the events around the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They divide my garments among them. And so this promise that is given, it, it's a prophecy, but it's coming at a great cost. It's a prophecy of peace, but it's going to come at a great cost. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing, they cast lots. So God promises to restore what is broken by being broken for us. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, it says that he will tend his flock like a shepherd. 
So we see that peace is going to come through a servant, a servant king, a servant shepherd. One coming like a shepherd after his sheep. He will gather the lambs in his arms. So, so he will gather what is scattered. He will seek and he will save the lost, the lost sheep that belong to the shepherd. It says he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. And th these are terms of incredible care, great care by the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter 53, verses five and six, it says he was pierced for our transgressions. And so here we see that the shepherd that is gonna come is gonna suffer. The suffering shepherd. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. This is pointing forward to the fact that Jesus Christ, the great shepherd, would die on the cross to pay for our sin. And we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So the sheep... Sin. The sheep run away from the shepherd, and it's the shepherd who has to suffer. It's the shepherd who ends up suffering to pay for the, the sins of, of the sheep. And this shows us an action, and this time the action is not man's action. This time the action is God's action. And the action is, is that God promises peace through the suffering shepherd. And so we have this wonderful, beautiful promise that God's going to restore. And then, if you're following along where we're at in the Bible, there's this interesting little pause. There's 600 years of silence. We've got this promise, we've got this prophecy, he's going to come, he's going to fix. And then there's silence. And they're waiting they're waiting for this promised Messiah to come and they're looking and they're saying, is it you? Is it you? Where is he? And to that waiting, we find our next garment. If you've got a baby in the house, you know what this is. This is a swaddling cloth. In Luke chapter two, it tells us, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Luke 2, 12. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This shows us that God is fulfilling his promise. God has come. And this is how he came. He stepped into creation as a baby. In Philippians chapter two, we get this description of God who leaves the glories of heaven and humbles himself and he comes and he walks among us. It reminds me of kind of like when I go into my preschooler's classroom. I've got two eight-year-olds, a three-year-old and a nine-month at home. So I'm familiar with swaddling cloths and other kid dings. Three-year-old classroom, sorry, preschool classroom. Preschool classroom, you walk in the door and immediately you see a bunch of little things. You see little tables. You see little chairs. You see a little sink, a little toilet, 
Little, little things everywhere. It's a little room. I had, I had thanks, I got to share in their Thanksgiving feast a few weeks ago. It was super fun, but it was not comfortable in that little chair. It's terrible. It was. God steps down into creation. Fully God, but he takes on fully man. And he walks among us. Because he's got an invitation for us. And he wants to do it in person. And the, the, the story of God's redemption here that's being, been being written and being unfolded, it's begun. But it's not yet finished. Often when a baby is born, we think, I wonder how this life will grow up. I wonder how this life will be filled. We think of what this life will become. We don't usually think, I wonder how it will end. I wonder what the end of the story will look like. As we come to this next gift, it may be a little surprising to find grave clothes. Grave clothes. Thread number eight is grave clothes. The story of redemption, the story of peace, the story of Christmas, it doesn't start or end in the manger. In Leviticus chapter 16, verse 23, we see the foreshadowing through the Levitical priesthood in the Old Testament. Then Aaron shall come into the tent of meeting and shall take off the linen garments that he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. And it's pointing towards the garments that Christ would take on and that Christ would take off. This crying child with the swaddling cloths would one day cry out as he suffers as an adult on a cross. Jesus would be killed. In John chapter 19, verse 40, so they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices as is the burial custom of the Jews. So his clothes and his, his tunic, they've been taken from him and they've been replaced with grave clothes. The Messiah has died. We see that when the disciples come to discover you know, and see in the tomb the body in John chapter 20, verses 6 and 7. It, it says, Then Simon Peter came and following him, another disciple, and they went into the tomb. And at this moment, with Jesus having died and, and being buried and being in the tomb, the question of peace with God for these disciples, it seemed like a failure. You know, hope is lost. It says he saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen cloth but folded up in a place by itself. So hope is lost until, until the grave clothes are found without a body in them. In an empty tomb. Because Jesus has been resurrected. He is not here. He is risen. Christ has accomplished peace with God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and by his resurrection. We see in John chapter 19, verses 23 and 24, it looks back to a moment when the soldiers had crucified Jesus. They took his garments and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier, also his tunic. 
But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. And they said to one another, let us not tear it, but let's cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. And this was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divide my garments among them, and from my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. Jesus had to die because there was no other way. There was no other way for peace than through the perfect atonement offering of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ paying for our sins. And this action of these grave clothes, it's really an action that's not from man. It's an action from God. As God now takes action and accomplishes peace for us through Jesus Christ. So we get to our last gift. It's like a Christmas morning. You're opening it up and there's one gift left. And everybody gets excited about the last gift. Everybody can't wait to see what is in this gift. And this one's, this one's extremely significant in this story. Because this is where we see ourselves. This is where the story of Christmas comes to us. This is the invitation that from the very beginning where it's been headed. And this is what we find. We find a white robe of righteousness. We read what it says in Isaiah 61. For he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. And the robe of righteousness is his robe of righteousness. It is his righteousness. It is what he accomplished. And he does something amazing. He says, I want to give that to you so that my righteousness might become your righteousness. Your righteousness was a filthy rag because it's not about what you have done, but what I have done for you. And you might ask yourself, you look around this world, we've been talking about the idea of peace, and you might say, I look around this world, and man, if Jesus came to be the Prince of Peace and to peace on earth, I sang that. I see it in the windows everywhere. Why do, why do I see a world that is trending away from peace? Why is there so much brokenness? Why do I see it in our culture? Why do I see division in my family? Why is there all this hostility? Remember what we saw here. We saw a picture of a God who pursues and a God who was what? He was patient. We saw his grace and his mercy. And the reason we see God's patience in this robe, this robe that covers us, it's because God is extending this gift, this invitation to you. A gift, there's something significant about a gift. There's this process of giving. There's one who gives it, and then there's one who receives it. There's two options for a gift. You can reject the gift, or you can receive the gift. There's three groups of people in this room. There's one group of people in this room that this robe of righteousness for you, this Christmas season, these Christmas carols and these songs, this story for you is a place of great remembering and rejoicing. Christmas season for you reminds you of peace with God, the peace with God you have. And you rejoice in that and you celebrate and you come here and you're excited to sing. 
That's one way. The second group in this room, they hear this message. They hear this story. And they see this robe. And maybe, you know, the past month, the past year, maybe since COVID or however long, you felt like a sheep who put on the robe, but you feel like you wandered. Like that prodigal son who's just gotten off track. Maybe like the picture of the grave clothes here. God's given you new life. You, you received. But somehow your life looks a lot more like this. And somehow you've gotten more comfortable putting on the grave clothes. And God's saying, no, 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 no. You're living like you're still dead. I set you free from that. Start living in the righteousness that I gave to you. And so for some of you, there's a group in this room that this morning... God wants you to return to him. He wants you to renew your faith. That he knows, and you know. You've wandered. It's wavered. It's not like it should be. Maybe it's not like it once was. And you need to return. And maybe there's a group of you. This is the first time, this first time somebody's ever walked through what the scriptures teach. Nobody's ever walked through this story with you. Never shared what God has done for you. For God so loved you that he gave, he gifted. It's all about this gift. And that invitation, you've never received. You've never responded. You'd never say, yeah, I know I've never put my faith in Jesus. I know I've never believed in the work that he did for me. And this is the morning. This is the morning to respond. And so each of those three groups have a different response. One is of rejoicing. One is of returning. And one is of receiving for the first time. And what we want to do this morning, how we're going to close, we just want to give you an opportunity to respond. If I get everybody in the room, just close your eyes. And the reason I have you do this is because this is a moment with you and God. That's what's important. I just want you to be alone with God because this is really a question that only you and the Lord can answer. And I just want to throw the question out for you to ask, do you have peace with God? Are you at peace? It's peace ruling and reigning in your heart. You have peace with the one who made you and loves you, sent his son for you. And for that group in this room that has and is walking in it, I just want to encourage you to just remember and rejoice in that. Rejoice this Christmas in the gift he gave you, that you have new life in him. I want to talk to the group right now that maybe you know you need to return. Maybe that peace is not looking like peace in your life right now. And you just need to say to God, Lord, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to you. I've wandered. I need to renew my commitment to you. I need to renew the faith I have in you. Again, this is just you and the Lord. You know where you're at. He knows where you're at. He knows every thread that you wear. He knows every hair on your head. And for that last group, maybe you're sitting here. Somebody invited you. You're coming back to church because it's Christmas time. And here's this invitation. Here's this offer of grace and forgiveness. And you know you don't have peace with God. You know it. And you say, Lord, I want that gift. I want it. I want to be at peace with you. I want peace in my life. 
And I know it starts with you. I know I'm never going to see peace. My marriage, my family, around, without a peace that starts with you. And I would just encourage you to pray this with me real quick. Lord God, I know I don't have peace with you. I know I need it. I believe you loved me and you came for me and you sent your son to live and die and rise again, Lord, to bring me peace with you. Lord, I believe that. I want to follow you. I want to receive that gift. All God's family said, amen. Let's all look up here. No matter what you just prayed, we want to celebrate. We celebrate because it's important to rejoice in what God's done. We celebrate because for those of you returning back, you remember the story of the prodigal son. There's rejoicing that happens. And then for those of you that God just for the first time opened up your eyes, we want to rejoice with you as well. Um, The way that we want to do that is we want to invite you to take out that connect card. And we want everyone in this room to take this out, okay? So it doesn't matter who you are or what, what decision or whatever this morning. Please, everyone take this out. We're gonna collect these in about 30 seconds. So we're gonna pass these to the sides of the row. So everybody get one of these in your hands. There's a pen right in front of you as well or right behind you, see you reaching, that's great. But we want everyone to fill these out. On the back here, there's a place to let us know um, how you're responding this morning. If you're in that first group, you can say, I just prayed for the first time. If you're reaffirming, returning to the Lord, you can mark that box. And then there's a couple other options there if you want to be baptized and keep walking or become a member. Or maybe if you want to use this space here to write a praise and rejoice in the Lord. But we'd like everyone to fill these out because we're going to collect these. Um, And if there's follow-up, we want to make sure we follow up with you because we want to rejoice with you. We want to encourage you. We're like... Uh, you know, they call us pastors because the role that, that God has for us is to care for the sheep. And we can't care for you if we don't know what's going on. And so please take a second, fill this out. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna pass these uh, to the edge. I'm gonna invite up Brandon and we're gonna close in a song, uh, singing this morning because that seems like a good fitting place to end. Uh, but let me pray and then we'll pass them to the sides. Lord God, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for this story, God. It's truly the reason we're here. It is the purpose of Christmas. Lord, it's our hope. Lord, there is one way, one truth, one life, and it's in you, Lord. And God, I don't know the way you're working in each soul in this room, but God, I know you're at work. And I know you're drawing people to yourself, Lord. And I just pray as we respond in this moment, even on these little cards, Lord, that we just be honest with you and that, Lord, we would just Walk out of here with great celebration, God, that you love us and that you made peace with us. That's what we celebrate this Christmas. You are what we celebrate. We love you. We thank you. We pray that it's all in the name of Jesus and all God's family said. Amen. Amen.